Hello, and welcome to the Death Cast, a place where the cool, creepy kids come to find out about their true crime. I am your host, best-selling author and journalist, Ian Totten. I'd like to thank you for joining me as we prepare to take another look at the seedy underbelly of true crime. Now, before I get going, as always, I have the normal show notes. If you'd like to follow me on social media, just search for the DeathCast, DeathCast Pod, or DeathCast Podcast. You can find me on most social media platforms under any of those monikers. If you enjoy what I do, please consider leaving a five-star review wherever it is that you find your favorite podcast. They really do help out the show. If you're really, really into what it is that I do, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash the deathcast and join the coffee club. Or simply go to the show's official website, CorpseCreekPublishing.com, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee button. Alright, now that all of that is out of the way, find yourself a nice comfy chair, kick back, relax. I've got my coffee, I've got my cigarettes, let's go into the crypt. We are taking another trip this week overseas. This time we are going to mainland China, where the show has, amazingly enough, gotten a foothold and is quickly spreading like wildfire. And as I want to do when the show becomes popular in an area, I like to make region-specific content for those listeners so they're aware that, yes, I know you are there and I appreciate you listening to this show. This week we're going to be looking at the case of China's most prolific known serial killer, Yong Xinhai. I want to thank my friend, Chinese teacher Jessica, for helping me with the pronunciation of some of these individuals and places involved in this particular case. You can find her show on TikTok. You can just look for Chinese teacher Jessica. Now, Young Sing Hai is a bit of an anomaly, and a lot of the information we have on him unfortunately comes through second-hand sources. This is because, of course, China is very restrictive on the information that it allows to get out to the general public. And that is a problem in the realm of true crime and in covering these types of cases because it's not like we're in America or Great Britain or Canada where I can verify every scrap of information that I am presenting to you. So we're going to have to wade through what's out there so that we can kind of try and learn about this individual with the scant facts that are known. Yong Xinghai was born July 17, 1968 in Zhongyang, Zheng County. Now, I know some of you may have looked into this case before and seen these names. Trust me, these are the correct pronunciations. My source for this is in China. They speak it fluently. It's their native tongue. Zhongyang Yang County 
is in the larger province of Henan, which is located kind of in China's northeastern section of the country. If you look on it on a map, while it is north, it's more central. Young came from a very poor family. It's said that he was the youngest of four children and that his family was considered to be the poorest or one of the poorest in the entire town. You're going to find many different sites and stories that discuss Young's upbringing. A lot of what is out there is really a guess as, again, information coming out of China concerning this particular individual cannot be fully verified. What we do know is that Young came from this impoverished family. He was seen as a very intelligent yet introverted child. We really don't know how well he interacted with other children of his own age. However, we can see some inklings of what he would become by the fact that in 1985, at the age of 17, Young is known to have dropped out of school in order to become a drifter and work as a laborer. This is an important fact to take note of, as we have seen with other serial killers, many of them do live a transient lifestyle. Not all of them, but a good number of them. And it seems as though Young had this built into him from a very early age. He worked as a laborer, but also began to get involved in petty crimes. It's known that in 1988, he was arrested for theft and sentenced to a short prison sentence in a re-education labor camp. When he was released, Young very quickly went back to his old ways and again in 1991 was arrested and convicted of theft and was sent back to this re-education labor camp for an extended period of time. By 1995, Yong was living in Yumadan, where it seems as though his crimes began to escalate. It is known that he ended up being arrested that year and sentenced to five years in prison, this time for robbery and an attempted rape. Now, there is some conflicting reports concerning Young's life prior to this incarceration. Young himself states that he was in a relationship with a woman at this time and that when he was eventually released in 1999, she broke up with Young because he had committed this attempted rape. From an outsider's perspective, to me that seems somewhat 
suspicious for the simple fact that this woman was in a relationship with him and remained faithful to him despite the fact that he went back to prison for four years and only found out what he was convicted of after his release. Even in China, people talk. I have to imagine that if he was actually in this relationship, she found out fairly quickly what it was that her boyfriend had been accused and convicted of prior to his release. Now, it could be a case that she had heard this but wanted to hear it from his own mouth for herself and upon hearing it decided, I don't want to be in this relationship. However, again, because it is China, there is no real way to verify this. And I know a lot of the listeners are wondering how... It is that with an individual as the one we are talking about, you can't verify these facts. Yes, China is a closed country for this type of things, but things would leak out. Well, the majority of the major news stations in China did not carry stories of Yong's life and crimes. I imagine that is at the direction of the government. Because much as with Russia, they don't want this type of thing infecting the minds of the populace as there is a desire to project a, a perfect utopian society where things like crime of this magnitude do not exist. It may also be a case, too, that the government decided not to allow information about these crimes out there in the hopes that Yong was an anomaly and that by not reporting on the things that he was eventually to be accused of, they would not be leading to other perpetrators committing similar crimes. It's very similar to how... In America, you will get a serial killer who says that they were quote-unquote inspired by another killer's acts. China may have viewed Yang's crimes in this light and realized that there may be some who take inspiration from him, so it's best to just not publicize this information. However, regional papers did pick up on his story. What we do know is that after being released from this re-education prison, Yong began drifting further afield around the country, and that during this wandering, he began committing murders. He stopped with his petty crimes and instead quickly escalated into full-fledged murders. So we're going to talk about some specifics of the crimes that we are aware of. Yong would travel throughout the northeast provinces of China and find a home which he would break into, at which point he would begin executing everyone inside. However, there is some discrepancy between whether or not he killed them all and then would rape the women, 
or he would rape the women after having killed the rest of those who were inside of the house. Young himself stated that these crimes were in retaliation for his girlfriend having broken up with him. My personal belief after years of researching and talking to these types of individuals, that was the justification for the escalation in his crimes that he may have given to himself, or it could have simply been an excuse that he gave to the media to hide his darker desires, which was simply that he liked killing and wanted to target women whom he found sexually attractive and in doing so in the targeting of them in their rape in their murder he got the most amount of satisfaction young used a variety of implements in the commission of his crimes most of the time these were basic hand or garden tools such as shovels hammers axes and pickaxes he went a step further than most serial offenders, however, in that he would wear new clothing when he committed every one of these crimes, but he also would get shoes that were too large for his feet in an effort to try to throw off the investigators whom he feared may have been pursuing him. And we do have to believe that the police in the various provinces that Young was active in realized that something out of the ordinary was going on because, as you're going to see, he left a fairly long trail of dead and dying. We will be back in just a moment. Face it, shaker bottles suck. Your protein shake always comes out clumpy and you look like an idiot using the thing. That's why I decided to ditch my shaker bottle for good and get myself a BlendJet 2 portable blender. It makes perfectly blended protein shakes in just 20 seconds. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. And it lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via a USB-C cord. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water and a drop of soap and you're good to go. So what are you waiting for? Go to BlendJet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code DCASTPOD to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the BlendJet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the BlendJet 2 portable blender. Go to BlendJet.com and use the code DCASTPOD to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Again, that's BlendJet.com and use promo code DCASTPOD at checkout. That's capital D, capital C, A-S-T, capital P-O-D at checkout to get 12% off and free two-day shipping. And we are back. We're going to 
talk for a few minutes about some of Young's known crimes at this point. So starting in and around the end of 1999, the beginning of 2000, Young would go out and procure these new clothes as well as a larger pair of shoes and then wait until nightfall, at which point he would break into a home and using whatever implement he had gotten his hands on for a particular crime, he would begin to methodically assault the people in the house. Young stated that his favorite weapon of choice was a hammer. He would bash the individuals in the head with it, at which point he would turn his attention to the females in the house, be it raping them first, then killing them, or killing them and then raping them. On December 6th of 2002, Yong broke into the home of the Yanwei family in the Luzang village in Iping County at roughly 1 a.m. Inside of the home, he found Lu Zanwei, Zanwei's mother, son, and daughter. And he began to systematically murder them all. There was another member of this family, a 68-year-old man who was Lou's father. He had been living in another house at that time, which apparently the family had just purchased. And it was this grandfather who discovered his family slaughtered the next day later telling the media that when he discovered his family, his wife was lying there and was still able to blink, although everyone else in the house was dead. And Zongye's wife would die 10 days later from her injuries. Yang would then bury the hammer near a tomb before tossing his blood-soaked clothing into a nearby river. In October of 2002, so this is before the murders we just discussed, Yang broke into a home where he killed a father and his six-year-old daughter before raping the man's pregnant wife, the wife, amazingly, was able to survive this assault despite having numerous injuries to her head. After committing his murders, Yang would then go procure a new set of clothing and walk to the next town, many times walking for hours on end in order to put distance between himself and what he had just done. This next bit of information comes from ChinaUnderground.com. It's known that he killed entire households on numerous occasions. On October 1st, 2000, he is said to have killed three victims and raped one of them. This was in the village of Anhua. On August 15th of 2001 in Henan, he broke into another home, killing three and raping one. On January 
6th of 2002, again in Henan, he killed five individuals, raping one. Then about six months later, on June 30th, he killed four more victims. It's difficult to say with certainty whether Yong was going through the cooling off period that so many serial killers experience because his victim count was so high and he was killing multiple victims in a given location. It does appear, at least from the outside, that with certain killings, he did go through this cooling off period that we know many serial killers do go through. However, he will have one or two where there's a cooling off period and then he will go and he will have a spree of killings where he will kill multiple victims in a given location on separate occasions almost back to back. So it makes me wonder whether the mania that was driving him to commit these crimes had escalated to such a point that at some points he would need a cooling off period where, as with others, it was an all-consuming thing and he had to keep acting out his mental fantasies on the real world in order to get that gratification that would allow his mind to shut off that part of him that needed to take human lives. I mean, as we can see, after he kills the family on June 30th in Henan, he waits a little less than a month so he can strike again on July 20th. 8th, where two rapes are committed and four murders. Then he waits again until November 8th of 2002, where in his home village, he strikes once more, killing four, committing two rapes, and leaving one injured. On December 15th of 2002, he strikes once again in Hawaii with three victims and one near fatality. It does not appear, at least from various news reports, that there were any rapes committed with this particular crime. Young does not strike again, at least as far as we know, until February 5th of 2003 where he kills three, rapes one, and injures one. A few days after this, on the 18th, he takes four victims and commits two rapes. One thing that is very interesting to note, however, in this case, is that Yang does not appear to have attempted to murder all of his victims, Many of the reports that I could find state that Yong, in fact, committed 25 further rapes which were not linked directly to his murders. So it could be a case where the 
desire to kill was not always upon him, and in fact, he needed instead to feed his twisted sexual desires, and the raping of a victim was all that was required for him to achieve it during that period of time. And that may have been what he was doing in between his murders, these short cooling-off periods that he is going through. Again, though, it is difficult to fully pinpoint this as information on his life and crimes is scant at best. On March 23rd of 2003 in Kafang, Yang murdered four and raped one, and then on August 8th of 2003 in Shijiazhuang, Yang killed five individuals. No rapes or survivors were reported from this particular crime. And it doesn't appear as though Yang committed any crimes after the murder of this family. What we do know, however, is that police had really begun looking into these spat of killings throughout the various provinces, cities, and villages, and that they believed that it was the work of one man. Whether or not this information was shared amongst the various police forces, I am unaware, although I suspect that there had to have been some form of discussion or information sharing among these organizations. On November 3rd of 2003, Young was in what is called an entertainment house in the city of Changzhou in the Hebe province. Now, I've tried to find out exactly what these entertainment house or entertainment buildings are. It seems as though they are really a center that has various forms of entertainment for one to partake in. Now, police routinely inspect these establishments, and during one such inspection, they came across Yang, who it appears was acting suspiciously. Some reports state that he was being shifty in both his mannerisms and his replies. Now here's where things get kind of tricky. Some reports out there state that because Yong was being so shifty and not forthcoming with the police, they decided to arrest him as they thought something was up. Other reports state that the police ran his name and discovered that Yong was in fact wanted for murder in four different provinces. The truth of this is, again, very difficult to ascertain. However, I suspect that it's more likely than not that the police were questioning Yong and he was being shifty and not giving them straight answers. We do know that he gave multiple names to them 
and because of this, the police suspected that he was more likely than not a criminal of some sort and decided that he needed to be brought in for further questioning, and while they were questioning him, they could take his fingerprints and try and find out exactly who this man is. So that is what the police end up doing. And we will get back to the conclusion of this case in just a moment. I'm on the road a lot, and it's really hard to stay properly hydrated on the road. There's so many choices between water and sports drinks, many of them filled with sugars and other chemicals that leave you feeling run down afterwards. But what if I told you there is a better solution? Liquid 4 is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on a long flight. One of the things I like best about the Liquid 4 Hydration Multiplier is their delicious flavor options such as sea berry, strawberry lemonade, Concord grape, lemon lime, pina colada, or my personal favorite, watermelon. But Liquid 4 doesn't just taste good, it's good for you. Contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C. And it has three times the electrolytes of traditional sport drinks. But best of all, Liquid 4 is non-GMO and free from gluten, dairy, and soy, which means that anybody can enjoy it, regardless of their dietary restrictions. And now, just for listeners of my show, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code DCASTPOD at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code DCASTPOD. So go to Liquid4, that's IV.com, and use promo code capital D, capital C, A-S-T, capital P-O-D, at checkout to get 20% off your order. Liquid4 Hydration. It's time to take your hydration needs to the next level. Are you tired of the same old boring puzzles? Mix things up with Wongo puzzles. Each puzzle is a custom design with intricate patterns and whimsical shapes that will keep you engaged for hours. Plus, their eco-friendly materials and commitment to sustainability make Mongo puzzles a guilt-free way to unwind. They're 100% wooden puzzles that'll last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn so no two pieces are the same, and you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work through it. They come in custom wooden boxes, which is perfect for storage and gifting. With stunning designs and unique shapes, Wongo puzzles are a cut above the rest. So what are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick up your puzzle today. And be sure to use the promo code DCASTPOD to get 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to W-O-N-G-O puzzles.com 
and use the code capital D capital C A S T capital P O D to get 10% off your order and get puzzling right now. All right, so we are back. As I stated before the break, Young got picked up at this entertainment house and was brought back to the police station. Now, just as with the arrest, we do have a difficult area to navigate as far as how the police discovered that Young had committed these heinous acts. Some reports state that as soon as the police ran his fingerprints, they got immediate hits back stating that he was wanted for murder in the various provinces. Others state that he was linked through his DNA to crimes in these provinces. Now, why do I say it's difficult? We don't know what the DNA technology was in China during this period of time. We know that in America, DNA had progressed enough that they were able to link DNA to an individual, provided that they left their DNA at a crime scene. We know that Young had been committing rapes at these crime scenes, so it's more likely than not he was leaving DNA at the scene of these murders. That being said, we also know that Young was, did leave fingerprints at the scene of many of these crimes. So it could very well be that the police fingerprinted Young, learned that he was wanted in connection to possible homicides and rapes, and then were able to hold him on that, at which point they ran a DNA test on him and were able later to conclusively link him to everything that he was to be accused of. Now we get into a part that we were talking about earlier in the show, where I discussed how state media really did not report on this crime. The major news outlets in China were obviously aware that this was going on, and I have read and been told that at least one major outlet did publish a report stating that Yang had been arrested and had been linked to numerous murders. However, this report was very quickly pulled down. In a similar vein, a lot of the smaller newspapers ran short two or three paragraph reports on Yang's arrest. However, the majority of these were very quickly removed and are now only available in archive format online. And as I stated earlier, there are many reasons for this. The media is an arm of the government in China and they intentionally do not want that type of information out there. However, this case was such a big deal that there really was no way for them to avoid news of Yang's crimes getting out. 
again, it is worth noting that this is the period of time where the story that Young committed these murders as an act of retaliation against his girlfriend having dumped him began to circulate. My personal opinion is that is absolute rubbish. I do not believe there was any such girlfriend just based on the limited information that is available about Young. He strikes me as the complete loner type, you know, the absolute loser who more often than not paid for sex if that type of thing is readily available to him, not as the type who would be able to get and sustain any type of relationship with another human being, which is not unheard of in these types of serial crimes, where sex is the motivating factor, as is the taking of the human life. Yes, Young's crimes were an extreme example of this in that he went to such great lengths to hide his crimes that he would kill anybody who was in the immediate vicinity of where he was striking. He still falls into the sexually motivated category. Unfortunately, though, we don't know which specific area of the sexual motivation category he falls into because that information is simply not available to us. Another interesting part of this case comes from various reporters with access to Chinese media outlets. China does on occasion report crime but it is very limited and in most cases is only reported when an arrest has been made. If an arrest has not been made, then the media do not report it at all. Some of the has to do with the idea that they're trying to give this image of a utopian society free of the crimes and vices that infect the Western world. The other part of that, too, is that they very likely do not want to create a social panic among the peoples of China. Because they're not used to this type of thing happening like it does in the rest of the Western world, to suddenly start telling people that, you know, there's a person going around murdering entire families, committing rapes in the middle of the night, obviously is going to cause some form of panic in the minds of the populace, more so if the police state that they have no idea who this individual is and have thus far been unable to track them down. That is not an unreasonable conclusion to reach because we have seen it in the United States. The Atlanta child murders, which I have mentioned very, very often, is a textbook example of that, where the police do not release that they suspect a serial killer is on the prowl, and the media figures it out, releases the information, it starts a panic, or 
the police release that information to the media, and that creates the panic. So I believe that is one of the reasons why China does not report this stuff as it's actually happening and developing. And as I talked about earlier, this also may have a case of not wanting to inspire others as there is clinical research out there that shows that reporting this type of thing does have an effect on the human psyche and may, in fact, lead to other similar crimes. As we know, though, there is no society in the world that does not have this type of thing happen. And in fact, there has been an increasing range of violent crimes within China. And some sociologists link this rise in violent crimes to the fact that there is a growing gap between those in China who have some form of wealth and those who do not. After his arrest and the police looking in his background, Yang Xinghai did eventually confess to his crimes. Again, this is coming from state police agencies. Because we don't know the methods over there, although we can suspect what they were, I highly doubt that Young was openly willing to talk about the crimes he committed. I more suspect that it was forced out of him. I'm not going to pass judgment on that particular method of gaining information from a suspect because that's their society. It's how they have functioned for decades we know that in the United States, that would be an immediate dismissal of charges, and more likely than not, those responsible and those who had greenlit in that type of activity would be charged. In any event, Young does confess, and because there are so many different provinces involved, the case ends up being moved from local provinces and falls under the jurisdiction for the Ministry of Public Security. In 2004, he ends up going on trial before the Luhe Intermediary Public Court and ends up being found guilty of, quote, intentional homicide, willful and malicious injury, pillage, and rape. And Young ends up being sentenced to death. Now, one aspect of Chinese culture or government that I do like is that when someone is sentenced to death, they follow through on it. From what I've read, his trial took place somewhere between January and early February of 2004. On February 14th, Valentine's Day, Yang Xinghai was executed by firing squad. So, a very quick turnaround on the execution after sentence has been passed. One small aspect of Young I want to take a look at is just very quickly, we've discussed in episodes the various types of serial killers. Young was what is referred to as an organized serial killer, he planned his attacks well in advance. 
and went to great lengths in order to avoid detection, both before, during, and after the commission of these crimes. We can get a few glimpses into Young's psyche from statements that he made, one of which was, When I killed people, I had desire. This inspired me to kill more. I don't care whether they deserve to live or not. It is not of my concern. I have no desire to be part of society. Society is not my concern. This shows us that there is a deep-seated resentment within Jung towards society. Some have speculated that this resentment arose due to his early life and the conditions that his family was forced to live in. However, unfortunately, we do not have enough information about his childhood and statements from him to know whether or not this is in fact the case. Another statement that Yang gave was, quote, killing people is very usual, nothing special. That gives us an idea further into his psyche and to how he views killing. Obviously, it is the normal for him, and it does not cause him any sort of distress or fear that he is going to be caught for this. An interesting thing I did discover about him is that Yang apparently, and again, this is coming from Chinese media, Yang would begin talking normally, calmly, before quickly escalating to a point where he would shout and scream at his interrogators. We don't know whether or not this, in fact, took place. As the Chinese media kind of went out of their way to paint Yong in the image of a raving lunatic, I suspect more likely than not that he was not screaming and ranting and raving as that is very uncharacteristic of a killer of his magnitude. Yes, we you do see that with some individuals who are suffering from very deep mental illness, such as an individual like Andrei Chikolito in Russia. But by and large, they are the exception rather than the rule. So there you have it. I hope that you have enjoyed my coverage of the life and crimes of Yong Zing Hai. Again, if you did enjoy this episode, please consider subscribing wherever it is that you get your favorite podcasts. Leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and look for me on social media under DeathCast, DeathCast Pod, or DeathCast Podcast. Until next time, the DeathCast is a co-production of Corpse Creek Publishing in association with Big Pond Podcasts. Stay morbid.